0: Hey guys, it's Colby Hooth. Let me hear you scream. The summer camp director at Camp Joye. Camp Joye. Camp Joye. To try out the Aroma of Christ podcast. 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 Brand new banger. Banger. The Aroma of Christ. It's called Aroma of Christ.
1: Here it comes. What is up, guys? You're listening to Aroma of Christ. I'm your host, Dalton Rhodes. We got Marcus and Gabe as usual. And cool thing about this week, we actually have our first guest on the show. His name's Cole. Cole and I met at college. We met at our um, residence hall at Scott our freshman year. And Cole, can you kind of give like an explanation of like how it was in Scott? Like, like what was your
2: opinion of of living in that dorm? Uh, Two words come to mind whenever I think of that living situation. And it was, it's dude stew. It's Scott. <laughs> Wait, what, yeah. what do you mean by that though? Dude stew? yeah dudes do it's like all these guys together crammed together in really tiny dorm rooms uh you got to share the bathrooms share the showers everything and the smell it just had a dingy musty smell to it no matter what what we did what we plugged into the wall what we sprayed it was always just musty and, and dingy it smelled like dudes do
1: yeah, it was like a nice homey smell. Whenever you smelled it, you're like, yeah. oh, wow, this is, this is nice. Yeah. And we did yes. share the bathroom. We shared the toilet, and it was just one giant toilet, actually. Like we, <laughs> it was just... like a giant toilet? Like... Yeah, yeah. It was like Most one people... communal toilet. It, what, there, we didn't have multiple toilets. It was like one big toilet. that no, That's people... what I'm saying. Multiple people could
0: fit in that one toilet. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah it was just one big it. stall. Yeah. How would you compare the social atmosphere of Scott compared to like other dorms at Western?
2: It was by far the most social just because of like the, the, I don't know. Everybody was, it's a freshman dorm. So everybody was wanting to like meet everybody because they're freshmen and they don't know anyone. And then having to share bathrooms and showers and all that and being like right beside each other the whole time uh, made it even more social. And we were also a living learning community. So we were, like, all in a lot of the same classes and stuff. Uh, I don't know if you were in Band of Brothers, but, like, everybody else was. Wait, so, what's... yeah,
1: I actually was not in Band of Brothers. I was actually just lucky enough to live on the hall. My roommate, Josh, was in Band of Brothers. Yeah. But for what those who that? don't know, what was Band of Brothers?
2: It was a class where it was pretty much like a, how to be a – not a man, but it kind of was. Like, but it was, like, it wasn't, you know, secular, oh, tough man. It was, like, learning how to be – like vulnerable, we took personality tests. We learned like what compliments our personalities best, and we did a lot of like a lot of self evaluation. There was a whole unit where we wrote letters to people we wanted to apologize to or forgive that we never had the courage to do it in person. It, it was a good class, and so it was like a big small group, to be honest. So you say that you wrote letters to people, yeah? Like, that was one of the units our teacher, Professor Brian Boyer he always harped on, like, not having like any guilt or, like, I don't, know, I don't know what the word is, but any things left lingering. So, like, he would say, like, if you have anybody you want to forgive or have anybody you want to apologize to, like, about anything. He's like, get it off your chest. So it was actually really cool. So I know some people wrote letters to their stepmoms because they were – they like treated them horribly because they couldn't replace their mom, like things like that. Yeah did yeah.
0: did you actually send those letters or
2: just? Yeah, I was wondering yeah. that. So that was a a part of it, is he wanted us to write them regardless, and we yeah. had the choice to send them or not, and he would send them. And oh, okay. I, I just I wrote a thank you and like a sorry I was a terrible kid kind of letter to my parent because, um, yeah. So he we had the tr- we had the choice to mail them, and he would mail them okay. for us.
0: That's yeah very, oh wow that's very sweet because like normally guys don't know how to show their feelings and y'all writing it down and actually like volunteering yourselves and sending them out that's like that's a very cool thing that's a very cool thing to do
2: yeah it was very refreshing
1: yeah it's not like a typical man class Oh, we're going to learn how to hunt and fish
2: <laughs> a lot of guys I'm like, like going every to class how to would cry
1: <laughs> I heard about that that like a lot of people were like like cried during the uh, during the class and stuff
2: yeah it was, it
1: was very therapeutic mm-hmm. so i I do think that is one reason why the fifth floor of Scott was so close compared to other like like floors and dorms because and I, I wasn't in that class everyone on the hall was in that class except for me, and like the atmosphere was so cool like everybody just kept their doors open, like everybody would like just go in talk to each other. there was like music blasting from like people's rooms and stuff. And then you would go to other dorms around the campus and it was just like dead silence. Like like yeah. <laughs> like tumbleweeds rolling Wait, around so, in the halls. So, those you were the only one Well, kind of. I think there was like maybe a few others that, that were not in the class. I feel like I was right there with everybody though. We'd all hang out together. That's um, cool. I just wasn't in the class, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, Cole is graduated. He just graduated and he is about to get married. He's got a fiancé, and which is Pretty exciting. Congrats, congrats.
2: Um, Thank you.
1: And what what are you doing now, Cole?
2: Right now I'm actually I'm just working maintenance uh, at the apartment complex I live at, so I get like a huge rent discount, which is nice. But I'm doing that so I can save up to go to seminary. Wow. So you're gonna be a pastor? Yes, sir. Is that
0: exactly what you want to be? Or do you want to be like a youth pastor? Like what what are you gonna be doing in seminary?
2: So I for the longest time, I guess I got my degree in psychology, so I wanted to be a pastoral counselor mm. because I really like that side of of trying to like speak life into people and and things like that. But as of recently, I've kind of gotten the calling to go into youth ministry, and I think that possibly would turn into main pastor or associate pastor, anything like that. And what kind of led you to that? That's like that's actually a big part of my. I guess testimony and well i, I got to really get well, into that now
1: but yeah i mean i was i was going to ask you about that is hearing your testimony of how you came to know god so yeah. go ahead spill it okay
2: so you know i i'm the i don't anything crazy i grew up in a very good faithful christian household i went to church every sunday mm-hmm. loved my parents they were on fire um dad almost like sort of like an associate pastor almost it was he it was like all volunteer but he loved that stuff and my older sister was very into it and she got saved and because she got saved I was like I want to be like her so I got saved and baptized when I was six years old I actually had a broken arm and I couldn't get water in my cast I had to get baptized with my arm up out of the water (laughs) I thought you
1: were about to say like you got a broken arm from the baptism I'm like how hard did the how hard did the pastor get in there yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's that's like a little quirky fact I have about it but so ever since then you know I didn't haven't I just kind of lived my life I guess I don't want to say normally but I was you know I'd go to church did all the the youth stuff but I wasn't I wasn't on fire. I wasn't practicing it daily per se. I would go, go to church. Then something that was really bad with me is I love to argue and argue with people. I'd find an atheist and be like, this is why you're wrong and all that. And that I was that way all the way up into high school. And i always was trying to like prove everybody wrong and, you know, hit them over the head with the, Bible and like pull up these facts, you know, but along with that, my whole life, I wanted to be in the military. So I, you know, I was like, I guess I kept that aggression for that. I, I don't know. But I wanted to be in the military. I even up through high school, I did the training, you know, I started doing like, um, some like replica like PT, things like that I was talking to all these people who were in the positions that I wanted to be in. But it wasn't until the end of junior year in high school, where I don't know what it was, but I got plugged into a church, a good, really good youth group uh, sophomore year. And it was pretty much one of those situations where either everybody there was in it, like on fire, picking up their cross daily, or they just, nobody didn't show up. Like the, the people who didn't want to be there weren't there. So it was really, you didn't have the kind of lukewarms who would come and, you know, raise their hands during worship and then Go and drink and party the next day. You didn't really have that with this youth group, which I appreciated. So mm-hmm. I was already getting filled up by that, which I'm very thankful for. But one day after, after junior year, or at the end of junior year, I was, you know, like had a normal day in school, and I walked back to my car. You know, drove to school, and I don't know what kind of overcame me or over or took over, but I was sitting there. And I started crying because I was walking because I was sitting right in front of the sidewalk where everybody was walking. And I just I was watching all these people I knew and went to school with every day walking in front of me. And I was I just thought to myself, I'm like, none of these people know. Like these people are are so lost. Like I feel I feel bad. You know, I've Mm. been wasting my whole time just trying to argue with them and like forcibly convert them. And I'm like, they don't know. They don't know the gospel. You know, they don't know what Jesus had done for us. And I I actually had like a little breakdown in my car at the end of junior year, one of the last days. And I saw everybody walking. I was like, man, I need to fix this. So that's Mm -hmm. when, uh, like through that summer, went on like a really good mission trip, uh, met a lot of good people, really had to turn around. That's when I really started picking up my cross daily. And come senior year, we had a new thing at our youth group. And because our youth group was, like, exploding, um, we had to go off and do, like, little branches of the youth group. So the new branch was for our high school, people who went to our high school. And my youth pastor I was really close to my youth pastor. He was like, I want you to kind of take control of this, and you know, make it a thing. And he was like, I, I, I trust so you. You're like so leadership pretty much like that's kind of where I'm going is I pretty much got everybody that was there to be there. So you, I was like the only senior too. So he wanted me to kind of senior guy and be a leader in that. Um So senior year rolls around, I'm going to that new thing, you know, I'm kind of being like to my friends that I've always been like, Oh no, this is, this is the right way. And you're wrong. Um, But I didn't really have that mentality going into senior year. I just kind of was, you know, like, Let me, you know, actually pick up my cross and and actually invite the Holy Spirit into me. And I immediately started noticing changes. Like people be like, my friends would ask me, hey, what's going on with that um, youth group Sunday night? Like, what are you you doing about that? I'd be like, oh, let me tell you about it. So I'd bring one friend. And he's like, oh, that was amazing. And we come back next week. He'd be like, hey, we should bring him. I'm like, okay, so we bring two friends. And it just starts growing and building like that. Wow. And it's it's so good there because, again, like I said, that youth group is, you don't really have the the lukewarm Christians. You have the people who are, who are on fire and the, that's it. So we're really being poured into. And the more we're being poured into, the more other people started to notice and we brought more and more people. And by the end of it, it started with like, I don't know, like seven people, and we had like thirty some people, and it was wow. all people from our high school, and mm. that, and after that, the that's when I really kind of God laid on my heart, like, dude, you need to do this for the rest of your life. Like, you don't, you don't need to go into the military to kill people. You need to go in a ministry to save people. I was like, what? Mm. So that that was a that was a really hard thing, not. Not hard, but I, I don't know the word. But when I got my whole life on everybody, including my family, and you know everybody that I was going into the military, and then I had that quick, you know, aha moment. I get, I get my calling pretty much, and telling people it's like, oh, well, that's unexpected. But I've I've never been so sure of something before in my life when when I got that calling. And so that was really reassuring. So, towards the latter half, I saw a ton of growth in my spiritual growth, in my friends, and the people that we invited, and talked to my youth pastor about setting up a track um, to go get my master's in divinity. And or originally it was pastoral counseling, so that's why I went and got the psych degree. But mm-hmm. now I'm looking to get my master's in divinity. So yeah, the that's my testimony. Sorry, went a little long, but.
1: No, that's perfect. It had so many great points that you had in there. That was awesome. And what um, I liked about it is like once you picked up your cross and once
0: you like set Christ as your identity, that's whenever all the growth started transforming into your life. And I think that's really incredible, dude. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's an immediate change. It was an immediate change for me just noticing even the way it interacted with like my mom. You know, I didn't, argue or get into fights with her or anything like that like i was i was much more willing to listen and slower to anger and slower to speak and things like that so
1: wow and so you you think that like something on the inside happened like you just kind of started change from the inside wow that is so cool Changed your life man Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well what
0: i also find interesting is that well, you grew up basically, like, wanting to be in the military and stuff. But then, like, all of a sudden, like, God came in and said, no, you're going to do this. Like, yeah, I feel like some of our listeners, like, they dealt with that too. And it's not something, like, that's comfortable. But you have to do it because God's the one leading you, not the other way around. And it's incredible that you went through with it and you're basically following
1: christ Mm -hmm. and there's even a verse in the bible that uh says many are the plans in a person's heart but it's the lord's will that prevails so it's like you know we we might have all these plans you know that we make up ourselves that we want to do but a lot of the times like the lord just comes in and it's like nope that's not the plan that i've got for you and uh, he does something totally different yeah and well, I, have a, I guess a similar
0: story. So I was actually going to be enlisting into the Coast Guard, but the Lord mm-hmm. brought other friends mm-hmm. into my life. And so now I am going to be a teacher, an elementary teacher, and then later on be a missionary, if that's in God's will. But like, yeah,
2: I think that's, that's awesome. Thinking,
1: um, I noticed that you said that whenever, uh, whenever you were younger, Cole. You were saying that like you were kind of just like kind of yelling God into people and like just hitting people over the head with your Bible and stuff. I'm curious, like uh, how did how did people usually react to that kind of to that form of witnessing?
2: <laughs> not good. I, I mean, obviously it was it was not the right way to do that. But I honestly drove more people away, I'd say, doing that than 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 anything. It That's one of those things, you know, I even did it. It's embarrassing, but I even did it to, like, new people at the, uh, like, my, like, middle school youth groups and stuff, and that's one of the, one of the things that will always stick with me is when my youth pastor looked at me and was like, Cole, most of the time people need, people need to see you live out the gospel rather than preach it to them, and I was like, what the heck, <laughs> and that I still, yeah. I still think of that, um, you know, nowadays, because, like, I'm I'm not very shy when it comes to that. But whenever I want to jump in and be like, actually no, like, I'll be like, okay. You know, if I'm living <laughs> no, right. if I'm living the way the Lord truly intended me to live, you know, and I'm doing it through him, then it will be good. But I think You're there right. is a time, is a time for preaching to people, but not the way that I was doing it.
1: Right, right, right. So yeah, but thank you so much for sharing that testimony, dude. mm mm-hmm. Now I also this week asked if you would come like kinda give us a Bible story that you enjoy and then we would base the, the show off of that. What was the what was the Bible story that you kind of planned out? The story of Gideon,
2: my mm. all time mm. favorite Bible story. Your all time favorite Bible story. I I relate to him a lot. I relate to the story a lot. That's another part of my Life is. We always moved all the time. I've moved eleven times, each to a different state. So we're always picking up and going, and it was hard. But the story of Gideon is a a lot of it is about trust, just trusting God's yeah. plan for you, trusting that that He'll get you through whatever is going on. So I I related to and relied on the story of Gideon quite a lot growing up, and now there's just there's still so much you can pull from it, and he's a warrior. He was a soldier. And that's what I wanted to be growing up. So I still like that little part of him. But yeah, there's trust is a big thing for me. And that was the story's all about trust.
0: And something I like about, I guess, the story of Gideon is the conversations between Gideon and the Lord and how God has always just talked back to him. He always had something better for him.
1: So oh, Cole. Could you give us like a little like quick, just quick kind of summary of, uh, of the story of Gideon?
2: Yeah. So uh, the story of Gideon starts in Judges uh, chapter six. And I guess to do some quick background, the Israelites recently moved into the land of Canaan, but they started doing their old Israelite thing where they start worshiping idols and building altars to Baal and things like that. Um, and, of course, God's not having this. So he sends a punishment which is the midianites so the midianites are a group of people that come in and pretty much terrorize the israelites for seven years but yeah um so god basically makes gideon a judge and the angel that god had sent says that god has chosen gideon to free the israelites of the midianites so gideon like all of us is very hesitant and he's kind of lacks some faith, lacked some trust, so he asked for a sign. Uh, God gives him a sign, burns the loaf of bread that Gideon sets on a rock and says, burn that, and so God immediately burns it, and he's like, well, that wasn't good enough. I want another sign. So he puts a wolf skin on the grass and says, if I wake up in the morning and the wolf skin is wet but the grass is dry, I'll be good. So God does exactly that. He's like, well, give me one more sign. So he says, did the exact opposite of what I asked the night before. So the grass to be wet, but the wolf skin dry. And God's like, all right, here you go. Did another sign. And after the third time, Gideon's like, okay, cool. I'll gather the army. So he gathers 33,000 men from all around. God says, that's too many. You don't need that many. So Gideon asked, how many of you guys are fearful or are afraid? I, I believe twenty three thousand twenty two thousand left so he's left with ten thousand already
1: wait hold on why did um why in the world would god tell gideon like that's too many people
2: like hey your army's too big because i think it goes down to trust well first of all i i think the god choosing fear as the first way to lessen the numbers is actually important and people tend to overlook that because if you think about it fear is easily spread. It's
1: Hmm.
2: Fear is very contagious. God tells us so many times to not fear. And that he's got, you know, he's got us covered. He's got our back. That we can do anything through him. Mm -hmm. So I believe that, that people who feared would have hurt the army more than helped them. But also because you don't need a big army of men because God can move mountains. Our faith can move mountains. God is God. You can do it with 10 guys if you wanted to. But I think it's very it's very telling of uh, God and, and the way he is because we don't need fear in our lives. Like, Of course we're going to feel it, but in reality we have nothing to fear. So I thought that was really, really cool. But then after all the guys who were fearful left, he has uh, 10,000 troops left. And so God says, take them down to a river and let him drink, and whoever is drinking with their hands cupped can stay. Whoever bends down like a dog and laps it up, leaves. After that, only 300 people were left.
1: This is where we fight!
2: And God was like, that's enough. That's perfect. <laughs>
1: that's the number I
2: want. <laughs> yeah. And um, so <laughs> then the night comes where they attack the camp. getting told them to put, the, each soldier has a trumpet and a torch hidden inside a like a pot or a vase. And, you know, God says, blow your trumpets, do your thing. So they all get around the camp, and the camp's kind of like in a valley, uh, the Midianite camp. And Gideon gives a signal. They blow their trumpets. They smash the vases, so it creates mass panic. And Midianites pretty much kill themselves. They stir up. And they're going like crazy because they think they're being invaded by a huge army. But in reality, (laughs) it's not. And then Gideon and the 300 soldiers wipe up the rest of them. And that's the the basic, very bare bones story of Gideon.
0: Can I tell the story about Gideon arriving at the camp and then hearing what he heard?
1: (laughs) Yeah, go for it, dude. This is is a a part of the story that I just like kind of laughed at whenever I read it. But Marcus, (laughs) go ahead and tell that, man. Okay, so this is what
0: happens. All right, so Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. And so this is what the dream was about. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. And so what happens after that is the friend responded with, that dream can only mean one thing, the wrath of Gideon. We're doomed. (laughs) God has given the mini knights and the whole camps into his hands.
1: Dude, that's so funny. So, (laughs) because, okay, like the whole reason why, why he did that in the first place was God was kind of giving him courage. He's like, God told him the night before, like, all right, you got two options, man. You can either attack tonight, or if you're scared, I'll give you confidence if you sneak into the camp tonight with someone and just kind of like listen. And you'll hear a conversation that like will bring you confidence and so Gideon did that and he heard the guy tell the dream that he had he, just, he was like oh dude that's crazy dream man we're like this bread's gonna do this and his friend immediately was like oh no we're doomed we're all going to die <laughs> that bread can be only one thing and that's death we are doomed we're doomed that was funny because like he never went to a point where he was like he was like oh man maybe it was just a dream or you know who knows who knows what that means he's just immediately we're all doomed <laughs> basically yeah there's so many parts of this this story that you can really just dissect and like learn a lot from it but one of the things is uh the whole reason why why god only wanted him to have 300 men it says it clearly he says uh the lord said to Gideon, you have too many men I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel will boast against me, saying my own strength has saved me. And I just think that's so cool because like, you know, the whole verse that, you know, we can do anything through Christ. Um, a lot of the times, like, you know, God just wants people. He, he basically wanted there to be no question that it was him who pulled him out and who saved the day. Um, like Like nobody can be like, yeah, I did this. It's like God did this. So God just made it an impossible situation to succeed. And he just made this really, really just, he gave him success with only 300 men. I just think that's really, really cool.
0: All right. So now we are going to be asking you some questions, Cole.
1: All right. Two plus two. And so also. also, (laughs) We just were asking math questions. (laughs) math.
0: So Cole, tell us a little introduction on how you met Megan. Megan.
2: Yeah, so th- this is... A, I was actually telling somebody this story the other day because it's we were thinking about it, it's kind of crazy, actually. You know, my current house is in Ohio. You fool! <laughs> no one can escape Ohio! And with our college, Western Carolina University, the one that Dalton and I went to, it's in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains.
1: Well, the way people talk around here, I guess, it'd be what more like you call
2: hillbilly style or something, I guess. I don't know, just mountain talk. So it's... It's very outdoorsy and we have tons of programs within our school that do like outdoor things. And one of them was whitewater rafting. And I went to high school with a couple of my good friends that are also, we're also going to Western and I'm all the way up in Ohio because it's the summer, you know, my family moved to Ohio and I'm trying to figure out a good time to come down for orientation. And my friends, they are telling me, Hey, we need to go to this rafting trip. Right before orientation, so we can, you know, it's whitewater rafting. We get to go do something fun, learn the area, and then go to orientation. And they wanted me to come. So I was like, Oh, sick, I'll come. But just because being in Ohio, it's like a 10 hour drive, it just didn't work out. And I was really upset and I was like, dang, I really wanted to go, but I'll see you guys at orientation. So, um, because I didn't go, they met a guy named Dylan. Dylan still one of our good friends. You've met him, Dalton, Dylan Draper. And he was the one that filled my spot on the rafting trip. So when we were when I, I was at orientation, they were like, hey, you got to meet this guy, Dylan. He's really cool. So we meet Dylan and when school starts and we're all hanging out, we're like, hey, let's go find Dylan. So Dylan is like, we're hanging out with Dylan. Dylan says, hey, you guys got to meet some people that went to my high school. So we're like, oh, okay, cool. So he brings in two girls that went to his high school. And one of those girls brings her roommate. And that roommate was Megan. Maggie! So, yeah. they, so hey. I, I always say, if if I was able to go to that rafting trip, I wouldn't have met Megan.
0: Oh, Megan.
2: So I'm very thankful. I was bummed out of the, at, in the moment, but I'm very thankful I did not go to that rafting trip because we wouldn't have met Dylan. We wouldn't have met Dylan's high school friends. And then we wouldn't have met Megan through the high school friends hi Megan I'm Katie
0: that's cute bro mm-hmm. that's cute, cute. okay yeah. but yeah anyway, that's I amazing always remember,
1: I always remember Megan like being there like like from the very start when I like during our freshman year I just remember like she was always on the hall yeah, like, always yeah. Hanging out.
2: yeah we we were always hanging out in, in Scott Hall
1: like that huge group so, oh yeah and everybody loves Megan, so uh, everybody supports your marriage, man. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> no, one, no one's going to be at your wedding and stand up and say, no, <laughs> I don't agree yeah. with them. Is there anybody that objects to this marriage today? <laughs> I do! The pastors <laughs> do do that. By the way, is that still a part of wedding? I don't think
2: objects. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, they don't? The most recent weddings I've, I've been... Yeah. One of my friends that, again, met on Scott Hall, but... Um, he got married and we were part of his wedding and the pastor was like, Did anybody object? I mean of course nobody's <laughs> gonna be like, I do.
1: I <laughs> object. Well, yeah, what the heck? Like what what like what goes on through people's heads if they ever do object? They're like, yeah, I waited to this moment. I've never I've never told them that I don't want them to get married. I don't think they're good for each other until this moment. Wait, who got married? Who got married on the hall?
2: Cam. Oh no, no. He was a year before, but we were friends. I met him through Nick Minervini on the hall. Oh, and I
1: live with Nick Minervini. And you used to live with Nick Minervini. Also, Cole used to live in the house I live in now. I basically replaced him whenever he moved out of the apartment that I live in now. So So I live in in Cole's old room. Yeah. (laughs) There's a crack in your window, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Why'd you do that? I didn't, I didn't do it. It's the cold weather. Didn't. I was like, no. I came back from, from winter break and I was like, dude, no, it's a big. It's a big actually, yeah. land, that's actually my fault.
0: I tried to break into your uh, bedroom and turns out the only thing I broke into was
1: your window. <laughs> wow. So you came from, you drove 14 hours from Texas <laughs> to break into my house just to be unsuccessful. You could say that. <laughs> what did you do,
0: drive drive back home after that? Yeah, bro, I couldn't break into your house and there's nothing in North Carolina, so. <laughs> what,
1: what? North Carolina can be a wonderful
0: place to live, but today I'm going to give you about 10 reasons why you might want to avoid
1: this place. Yeah, there's nothing. Hey, hey, <laughs> I'm not outnumbered this time. We got two North Carolinians versus two Texans. I think we got you. Hey Patrick,
2: what am I now? <gasps> stupid. What's the difference? Ah! There's a little picture of me in my mom's house, or my parents' house, that was taken of me in Texas where I'm in a cowboy hat and boots, sitting on a longhorn. What? Nice. Yeah, no was like... Uh, yeah. We, yeah, we went and, like, visited the Alamo and everything on that trip. Ooh. And I, was, I rode a longhorn. Nice.
0: Yeah. If you're in Texas, you have to go to the Alamo. Hey. I think the only reason why people
1: go to Texas is to go to the Alamo. The Alamo is not even that big. The Alamo, honestly, is, is kind of a, is, is a little bit disappointing, and I'm not the only one with yeah. that
2: opinion. Um, you go and you look at it, and you're like, "Wow, okay." Wow. and then you leave.
0: Yeah, yeah, basically.
1: Okay, I mean, it's a it's an old building for sure.
0: <laughs> wow, this building. Wow, this building.
1: <laughs> definitely a building say this building is a building in, just the entire time you're walking through it wow, this building walk a little bit more wow, this building you walk in it even more wow <laughs> you get progressively louder as you walk into the building oh my gosh wait Marcus, was, was that the only everybody.
0: question you had for Cole?
1: oh that was all just Megan <laughs> Those yeah, Cole. We had Those um. I'll tell you, Cole. Me and me and Marcus were laughing. We we had this funny thing where like the whole time he was just going to like ask you questions about Megan. <laughs> just, yeah. Like like we'd be talking about like Bible questions, questions about you, and then he just keep on turning it to like Megan. <laughs> hey, what does she look like? Like yeah, yeah like how like, tall like, is she? So, like, yeah. Yeah, I was, <laughs> we go on this big tangent like oh yeah so you know i really really like the story of gideon and i like how this happened so my question is what is what color is
0: megan's
1: hair oh my gosh guys look at what time it is i think it's trivia Trivia time. all right we got five questions guys i'm going to ask the questions and give the choices and y'all are going to tell me what Y'all think and everyone listening, feel free to play along. Question one. Where did the Ten Commandments come from? God gave them to Noah, God gave them to Moses, or Jesus just gave them to us?
0: Hey, I would like to answer this question. Uh it's two.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> oh. totally thunder. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Yes. All right. Let's I'm gonna click it. I don't think that we're gonna know until we finish. All right. Of course it is, Moses. Anyway, number, number two, what happened to the prophet Jonah? A, he was thrown into a den of lions, he was thrown into a fiery furnace, or he was swallowed by a giant fish. Three is sounding real nice. I think that y'all are right. I'm going to put that. It reminds me of Pinocchio. Pinocchio,
0: save yourself. Don't mind me, son of
1: dude right number three what happened to the prophet daniel a he was thrown to the lion's den uh he was thrown to a fiery furnace or c he was swallowed by a giant fish
0: you know i would like to say number three again but <laughs>
1: just multiple people number three yes number three
0: but you know i think the answer would be uh the den of lions
1: mm, so you're going back on the giant fish
0: I would like to go giant fish,
1: <laughs> like that's my go-to every every time. Every he's going to keep asking different people and like, like what was Jesus's blah blah blah? Like giant fish. He was, he was eaten by a giant fish. Getting eaten by a giant fish is actually a part in everyone's walk with God. Everyone gets eaten by a giant fish at some point. <laughs> all right, I'm putting den of lions. I think that we all agree with that. How did Moses' mother save him from being killed by the evil Pharaoh? She hid him in a manger in the stable. Uh, she hid him in a basket floating down the river. Or she sent him out of Egypt with a caravan of traders. I'd have to say. Basket. Is... Basket, yeah. Basket, basket, basket. Basket, Boy, basket,
0: basket.
1: Everyone's saying basket. We're going basket. Basket down the river. <laughs> have y'all ever seen that SNL skit? In a van by the river. Y'all ever seen that? Uh, I just okay, anyways. (laughs) Last question, guys: What happened to the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were thrown into a den of lions, they were eaten by a giant fish, or they were thrown into a fiery furnace. I'd like to answer that. (laughs) Ah, Throw one, throw one, throw one, throw one. Yeah, (laughs) what is it, Marcus? Uh, swallowed by giant fish, (laughs) all three of them, dude.
2: (laughs) Every single one. You, right. You're going to be like, last question. What color are Megan's eyes?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Let's> <laughs> okay, I'm putting fiery furnace. Let's see how we did. Score. We got everything right. We got a 100%. Look Woo! at us. Yes.
2: Great success.
1: Woo. All right, guys, well, that's the podcast for the day. Thank you so much again, Cole, for being our first guest on the show and and giving us this wonderful story about what the main theme is about trust, just trust in the Lord. And uh, I'd like you to end us off today with a Bible verse.
2: Yeah, thank you guys for having me. And uh, I'll go with my all time favorite Bible verse, Philippians 121. That is, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain.
1: Wow, that's such a great verse. All right. Thank you again so much, Cole. Um, And to all y'all listening, uh, be sure to watch our other episodes. We have four other episodes and feel free to share with your friends. All right. Have a good one, guys.